Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to the Daily Daft Differently. I'm Rabbi Joel Levy, and we're studying Tractate Yuvamot, Dafchet, the eighth page of Masechet Yuvamot. And we are in the middle of a long, very complicated sugya, um, which has been going on for pages and pages. And I want to uh, take one small part of the uh, sugya on Dafchet um, and link it to the very beginning of the sugya, which I think will help us to flesh out some of the issues in the sugya itself. So the, uh, the Mishnah, going all the way back to the first page, the Mishnah is discussing levirate marriage, uh, Yibum. And um, that's the idea that if um, if my brother um, died without children, he was married, and my brother died without children, then I would have the responsibility um, of marrying his wife in the event that he died, and um, siring children in his name. Uh, that would be that would be a responsibility that would fall on my shoulders. The Mishnah um, assumes. Uh, kind of lurking in the background there, um, that if um, my brother, um, uh, before he died, had been married to someone, his wife was someone who was forbidden to me. Imagine a scenario where, for example, my brother married my daughter. I had a daughter, my daughter married my brother, and then my brother died. Then, um, in order to fulfill my obligations of Yibum, then I would, in theory, I suppose, be called upon to then marry my daughter. Well, that sounds impossible. That is inconceivable. Um, and it is, in fact, the case that the Mishnah assumes that that is impossible, that I can't go ahead and um, I couldn't go ahead and marry my daughter to fulfill my obligation of levirate marriage to my brother. At the very beginning of the long sugya, on page three, of Masechet uh, um, This is the uh, this is the kind of opening the opening questions. It's Manahanimili. Where do we know this? And um, and the question, the underlying question that's being being asked is where do we get the idea that um, if a Yavam, if the man, me in this case, has to yibum, I have to do levirate marriage on a woman who is an Isur erva, someone who I'm not allowed to have a relationship with, then I can't do yibum. I I shouldn't be able to. Um, to to um, 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 do Yivama and end up married to my own daughter. It's a strange question. How do we? Uh, from where do we know that? To which you're going to respond, Ichsa. That's disgusting. Of course, a guy shouldn't be um, a man shouldn't be called upon to marry his own daughter, and um, and um, that isn't the answer that, they give, that the Talmud gives. It doesn't say that's disgusting. It seems to take it at face value. It seems to take that question at face value and want to answer the question. Um, um, in particular, it's, uh, it seems to, it says, um, uh, based on Deuteronomy 25.5, Yavamah, Yavo Elea, her Yavam will come to her, he will, he will be with her, will have sex with her, 
שומר אני שאפילו באחד מכל היות האמורות בתורה כתוב מדבר. The assumption is, וזה כאן וזה הווה that based on that verse, um, uh, that um, I, the, the responsibilities of Yibum would always apply to me regardless of the uh, forbidden nature of the relationship. Um, so um, if, that, if, it were, if we only had Yavamaya then we would be thinking that, I, that the man, me in this case, would always have responsibility for, to fulfill my obligations of levirate marriage, even um, if, in the case where the, uh, where the girl was prohibited to me. And in order to avoid that being the outcome, uh, the Gemara quotes from um, Vayikra 18.18, 18, um, which is the list of forbidden sexual relationships, which is read in the afternoon on Yom Kippur, and includes Isha el achota lotikach litzror legalot ervata alea bechaya that you're not allowed to uh, uh, you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister. You shouldn't take her in marriage. Litzror uh, to create a rivalry. Legalotter vatat of sex with her, aleha on her, bechayeha in her lifetime, and the word aleha is the key uh, because that word also appears in the verse in Deuteronomy that deals with um, that deals with um, levirate marriage. Yevama yavo aleha, her yavam should come upon her, and they use a kazera shava, a linking between those same word appearing in two separate places. And they make a link and say that uh, you can learn backwards and forwards through that word appearing in two separate places. Um, it becomes like a tsinur, like a pipeline through which you can learn uh, halacha. And they uh, they derive that uh, the same prohibitive nature of the relations that appears in the book of Vayikra also appears, uh, is also prohibited there in the book of Deuteronomy when it comes to Yibum. Okay, that's the kind of background. Now let's switch to our sugya and see how that gets fleshed out. It's still kind of weird, remember, because we're having to justify, as it were, where the sugya feels like it has to justify why it is that I shouldn't be fulfilling my um, yivama, my um, my levirate responsibilities by um, by having a relationship with my own daughter. Um, that's what they're trying to justify. And you'd have thought that was muvan me'elav. That was obvious. So something in, on page eight. Um, reveals why it is that this question is arising at all. Like, why would they, why would they be having this question if it's um, if they're talking about something which should just be viscerally obvious? You're not allowed to have sex with your own daughter. So, Rav Huna, sorry, Rabbi Damar uh, Rabbi Yona, Rabbi Yona says, Rav Huna This is the, in, in his name, in the name of it's one of those two people. Amarkra, Kikola This verse is taken from the end of the uh, section of the Arayot in uh, Vaikra 18. And there it says, anyone who does any of these disgusting things, anyone who does any of these things will be cut off. And earlier in the list, um, there's uh, there's there's a case which is the perhaps the most in, the important case from the perspective of this uh, this text. Um, 
שהוגשו כל האריות כולם לאשת אח. One of the people that exists in this list of people for whom if you do it you get cut off, you get karate, is אשת אח. Is the wife of your brother. So in that list of forbidden sexual relationships in Vaikra chapter 18 is your brother's wife. Absolutely prohibited if you had sex with your brother's wife or then you would be cut off and that would be a terrible, terrible thing to do. But the whole point of levirate marriage is that you're going to be having sex with your brother's wife. Um, so um, the, uh, the 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 uh, sugya is saying as follows: since the whole notion of levirate marriage is that you're called upon to have a sexual relationship with someone who, in normal circumstances, um, you wouldn't you couldn't. Um, you couldn't have a sexual relationship with um, on pain of karet of being cut off from the Jewish people. Maybe it's in the very nature of levirate marriage to ask you to have sex with people you shouldn't be having sex with. It's as if the Bible seems to be saying when it calls upon you to engage in levirate marriage, it's telling you to, uh, to, to do something which is by its very nature um, a taboo. And the Bible takes so seriously your responsibility to your brother's memory and to his transmission of his seed that you can break that taboo. So it's sort of contained within the notion of levirate marriage itself. Right there within the notion of levirate marriage is the idea that it's a little bit sort of, uh, it's in sort of intrinsically transgressive. And you wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for a text from the Bible telling you to do it. And therefore, we have a havamina. We have a strong uh, reason to suspect that contained within the very notion of levirate marriage is the idea that you're going to be doing something which is ichsa, disgusting. And therefore, we shouldn't be so surprised if, the, um, if, uh, if we were called upon to have sex with our own daughters um, as a result of a biblical obligation. Uh, um, calling upon us to uh, to take seriously our responsibilities to our dead brother. This little section in the sugi on page eight is is I think really helpful for understanding uh, the entire sugi and for thinking about um, uh, in general about levirate marriage. It's as if they're saying something like, um, once the Bible's asked me to do something which is um, intrinsically taboo anyway. It had better be very careful to limit my transgression, because once I'm doing taboo things, um, I might go off the rails and um, and do lots and lots of things which are not only taboo but also prohibited. There's a kind of uh, critique there, maybe, or a kind of sensitivity to some of the critiques that are in the, in the contemporary world that are brought against religion. I've heard people say things like, um, you know, once you're in the mode of irrationality, once you have a tradition that can ask you to do ridiculous things, then what's to stop the tradition from asking you to do ridiculous and immoral things? That's, I think, a serious question. Given that I do do several ridiculous things normally before breakfast on the basis of my religious tradition, what's to constrain me and what's to prevent me from seeing that kind of uh, that permission, as it were, or even obligation to engage in strange religiously inspired activities? What's to stop that spilling over 
into something that will be less bounded and more dangerous. And I think, I suppose, what the what Umara here is saying is that um, there, there's some, there can be times when our obligations call call upon us to do things which we would otherwise think of as being impossible or taboo, but that those will be severely limited. Um, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the nature of Sabbath observance in the temple, which was in many ways a kind of Sabbath-free zone. Like you know, Jews keep Shabbat all over the world. It makes no difference where they are, but there were things happening in the temple, in the confines of the temple, that were themselves perfectly kosher, and which were breaking Shabbat. Animals were killed, for example. And um, and uh, that must have felt very strange, must have felt very strange, and yet okay, to, in the temple courtyard, um, to have been called upon to fulfill one, one's religious obligations by breaking Shabbat in a way that was impossible anywhere else in the world. Um, but if we are going to do things that are transgressive in the name of religion, or that look like they're transgressive, we better make sure that that's severely constrained. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.